John chapter 19. And uh, I appreciate uh, everyone that's here visiting with us today. And we hope that you'll come back and be with us uh, tonight as well. Lord willing, we still have church on Sunday night. Amen. Still believe in having church on Sunday night. And uh, if you're looking for a place to worship, place to go, we invite you to come back and be with us again tonight. John chapter 19. And we'll begin reading in verse number 25. The Bible said, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word these next few moments. Lord, I pray that there'll not just be a sermon, but I pray that it'll be a message. I pray that God, it'll be a message from heaven that'll speak to every one of us individually. I ask that if there was one here this morning lost, God, I pray for their soul to be saved this morning. We want to thank you for the soul that was saved this week, and we give you the glory and the honor for that. We pray that you'd rescue someone as well this morning, uh, encourage our hearts, and draw us close to Calvary, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I think this passage of Scripture is fitting this morning for two reasons. Number one, Uh, because it is about the cross, amen? Uh, For several weeks now, I've been preaching on the cross and I would say this about that, that uh, I've not been finding sermons on the cross, but rather they've been finding me. I thought about that yesterday, that uh, I don't even have to think about it. It just seems like throughout the course of the week, God uh, somewhere lets me fall across a passage or hear something said or put something in my heart about Calvary and I'm gonna preach on it just as long as he... Uh, leads in that direction, but uh, it's important because it's about the cross. And then I think this passage is significant this morning because in this uh, passage of scripture, these three verses that we've read this morning, uh, it's also about his mother. You'll notice in verse 25 that two different times in verse 25 and again in verse 26, it, it emphasizes his mother. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister. And then in verse 20, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother. And then again in verse 27, it mentions thy mother, Jesus, as he makes that great transfer uh, from his mother to giving his mother to the apostle John. And so it's important because it talks about Christ uh, and it talks about the cross and it talks about his mother. In fact, in this passage of scripture this morning, this is what we find. We find a loving mother. We find a good example of a son. And then we find here uh, a servant's responsibility as Jesus passes his mother uh, to the apostle John. But what is also interesting about this text this morning and it's what I want to preach on is that we know that Jesus is on the cross and we know that uh, Christ is giving his life. He is paying the ransom for many. Amen. In other words, he's making provision. 
salvation. And he's making provision for the world. He's making provision for salvation. He's making provision for all of humanity. But in this text here, he's also making provision for his mother. Amen? And I think that's interesting this morning that Jesus, uh, while he is purchasing a salvation and while he is pay- while he is paying the sin debt, he is also thinking about his mother. And so I want to preach this morning on this subject on Calvary, the place of provision. Calvary, the place of provision. Our Savior provided for the world, as I mentioned. He provided for all of humanity, and he also provided for his mother. What that tells me in this passage of Scripture is that no one is excluded that comes to the cross. Amen? The Calvary leaves no one out. Calvary makes provision for everyone. It makes eternal provision. And as we see in this text here for his mother's sake, it also makes earthly provision. Do you realize that Calvary is everything that you and I will need, not just in the next life, uh, but also in this life, amen? I'm telling you the cost of the cross uh, is worth it all, amen? Calvary covers it all as we heard this week. uh, And I thank God uh, for the cross of Christ uh, and I also thank God for his mother, amen? When you come to this text this morning and you think about his mother, you find the faithfulness of his mother. In verse number 25, the Bible said, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Mary was faithful from the beginning to the end. She stood by her son and she stood by him as her savior. She was faithful, the faithfulness of his mother. And then I see her family. As the Bible said that his mother's sister was there. Mary's sister was standing with her no doubt to comfort her and to help her as she stood at the foot of the cross so we see her faithfulness uh, we see her family but in verse 28 or verse number 26 we see her favor as the Bible said Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple that was standing by you know what Mary found at the cross in the midst of all of the heartache and the grief that the cross of Christ brought to her she still found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, that's interesting because Calvary provides favor to all of us. She found favor as a mother, but she also found favor as a sinner, amen? She found spiritual favor, but she also found the favor of her son here, and we see her favor, and we see her future as Jesus made provision as he spoke to the disciple in verse 26, and he said, a mother, he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then he said to his disciple, behold thy mother. What is Jesus doing here? He's making provision. You see, that was the responsibility of that eldest son whenever his father had passed off the scene. And as far as we know, Joseph has been gone for some time now. And Mary is a widow and she has lost her husband. And now she is losing her son. When he called her woman, it was a respectable term. But he's also making the difference between that relationship. In fact, nowhere's in the gospel does is it ever recorded that Jesus called Mary mother. But he always referred to her as woman because 
because he was her son, but he was more than that. He was her savior, amen? I'll say this, say this morning, I'm glad that on the cross, uh, uh, Jesus bore both of those roles. Uh, he was the son of Mary, but he was the savior of Mary. He is the son of God, uh, but he is the savior of man. Uh, he never was uh, a time that he wasn't the savior of man. I wanna say this morning, uh, he is uh, my savior, hallelujah. And when we come to this text, Jesus is making provision for his mother. But in reality, he made provision for all of us. That's what's amazing about the Bible. Even in this moment, you and I are not left out this morning. Even in the midst of this conversation that's taking place or, or should I say this, this saying that is given here, we're not left out. You say, well, preacher, uh, what, is, what are we to learn from this passage where Jesus is clearly talking to his mother? Now, we're not Catholics this morning. We don't worship the, uh, the Virgin Mary. We don't pray to Mary, amen. We know that Mary was just, a, uh, she was just a, another sinner that needed to be saved by faith in the cross as you and I need to be saved by faith in the cross uh, but this morning as we think about Jesus and his mother what is it that we learn from the life of Christ here as he makes provision for her I want to say number one this morning we learn about the selflessness of Jesus amen as the Bible said in verse number uh, 26 now Jesus therefore saw his mother Jesus in this verse is not thinking about himself but he's thinking about others. That's interesting because uh, the first three of the seven sayings on the cross has nothing to do with Christ, but has everything to do with others this morning. You see, Jesus is on the cross and while he's on the cross of Calvary, he's always thinking about others. Uh, he's going through the greatest trial, the greatest affliction, the greatest agony that could ever be known to man. But he's not self-centered. He's not considering himself, uh, but he's thinking about those around him. He saved that thief that was on the cross. Uh, he thought about those that put him on the cross as he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Again, he is thinking thinking about others and then he thinks about his own mother here as he looks at her and he sees her there beneath the cross, her faithfulness to the cross, her loyalty to the Savior. I'm glad that we serve a God this morning and we serve a Savior this morning that he's always thinking about us, amen? He's always thinking about a lost and dying world. He's not a selfish God this morning that thinks only about himself, no. He's always thinking about man this this morning. You know, that's how every Christian ought to live their life. Selfless. Not thinking about self. I'll be honest this morning, and I use the word we when I make this statement. We are very self-centered people, aren't we? You saw now, preacher, I'm not really that self-centered. Well, let's let it get about four degrees hotter in here in the next few moments. And all of a sudden, you know what? You're not thinking about the sermon. You're not thinking about what I'm saying. You're thinking about, man, somebody needs to go, somebody, somebody needs to go fix that air conditioning. I come through church a lot of times and I learned a long time ago, never ask people. If you say, hey, is it cold in here? Somebody, oh, yes, yeah, freezing. And the next person will be like, oh, man, I'm burning up. Can you turn it down a couple degrees? Isn't that right? You say, what do you do? I just lie to both of them, amen. <laughs> Preacher, can you, turn the, can you turn the heat on? Sure, we can do that for you eventually. <laughs> You know, people's always, we're always thinking about ourselves, aren't we? 
When something happens to us, it's way more personal and we feel way more sympathetic about what we're going through and we think more about what we're facing. That's just how we are this morning. We think about more about what we're facing and what we're going through. I think that's the problem with some songs that are written today. They're too self-centered. They, they don't talk about Christ that much. They don't talk about the suffering of our Savior. You go back and read a lot of old songs. You know what they talked about? Even when they spoke about suffering, they, thought, they spoke about the the will of God and suffering and glorifying God through suffering. But now it seems like more songs are written about escaping the suffering or the suffering going away. And I want to say this morning, I don't like suffering no more than anybody else. But as Christians, we're going to suffer in this walk of life. And as Christians, life is not really about us. Amen. You see, there are things that happen to us sometimes and we question, we wonder, why did this happen in my life? Why am I going through this? You realize that some things that we go through has absolutely nothing really to do with us, but it has to do with others around us. And it may take an eternity for us to ever really see the big picture. But I want to say this morning that when we go through things, it may be for the benefit of others. Think about the widow of Zarephath. She goes through that famine. She's there. She's an innocent bystander. It's because of Ahab's sin. That famine comes in the land. She didn't cause that famine. It happens in her life. And of course, Elijah comes and you know how that the barrel of meal wasted not. It's a wonderful story. And then a little bit later on, her son dies. She goes through every bit of that tragedy. And you know what? Not one person sat down and explained to her why she went through all that. She lived and she died. As far as we know, never really comprehending all why she had to face what she faced. I read that one day and I thought to myself, that's exactly how life is. Sometimes we face things and we never really get all the answers. And then in the New Testament, one day Jesus is talking. And in his message, he's talking about... Uh, how that, uh, uh, and I, the, the, the passage escapes my mind, but you'll, at the moment, but you'll remember the story how that Jesus is talking about how that Elijah didn't go to all the widows of Israel, save the one of Zarephath. He went there and he came to her, and Jesus used her as an illustration. I read that one day and I thought, man, isn't that interesting? Here we are about a thousand years later, and I don't know if God got her attention in heaven when Jesus was giving that illustration but it might be that God called her to the side and said, I want you to hear something. You went through this a long time ago. You never really knew what the extent of why you was facing that famine, but I want you to know one of the reasons you went through that famine is because my son would one day go to earth and one day he would need an example and one day he would need an illustration. So I let you go through some hard times, not so much about you, but so that Jesus could reach back and use your life as an example. You wasn't in the New Testament. You was in the old, but you got to be in the New Testament. You got to be an illustration to help others along the way. Is that not the way life is? Sometimes we go through things in life. We don't really comprehend why, but it may be for the sake of others. Think about my sister. 43 years she lived a handicap. For 43 years she never spoke a word. For 43 years I, I watched her suffer like I never seen anybody on earth suffer. I won't bore you with all the details, but I remember, I remember weeks on top of weeks, multiple seizures, seizures. 
or my mother uh, staying up around the clock, sometimes six and seven days with, without hardly any sleep. And, and I remember seeing my sister walk up and down the, the halls in, in pain and, and she couldn't tell you what was going on and, and doctors could only do so much. I watched her suffer her whole life. I, still, I saw a little girl the other day. Was in a, I was in a restaurant and... And I heard a sound on the other side. Was it a cracker bone? I heard a sound on the other side. And I immediately, I'm telling you, I knew that sound. It sounded just like my sister, that moan. And my mind went back. It so moved me. that I, I talk, And I'll say this to, to, for anything about myself. But it so moved me. I told the waitress, I said, I don't know who that is. But I said, I know there's a handicap on the other side. And I said, uh, I said if you please bring me their ticket. I said, don't, don't, you don't have to tell them anything. And I saw through that lattice, I saw that blonde hair. And I thought about my sister when she was, uh, all of her life, just blonde, had that blonde hair. And she suffered, and she went through a lot of that. And all, growing up, I never knew why she did that. Still don't know every reason why. Why God would let some people be born that way. But I know that because of her handicap, my dad's own words was that I could never leave your mother because of your sister. So our family stayed together when on both sides, grandparents, cousins, uncle, and it just goes on and on. One divorce after another. Not one marriage made it. My dad said, it, I, every time I ever thought about it, I said, I couldn't leave your mother because of your sister. And so it held the family together. And I said to him, I said, you know, because it held the family together, I said, we heard the gospel. I said, the family had busted up and we'd have been scattered here from there. Who knows if any of us would have got saved. We stayed together. One, one Saturday morning, uh, listen, somebody knocked on our door and invited us to the house of God and, and we didn't know God, didn't know anything about the things of God and we went to, me and my brother rode the bus to church and you know the story, we got saved and then my mother got saved and, and then uh, some of my other family members got saved and you say, what was that? I don't know all the extent of her suffering but it may have had nothing to do with herself. Uh, she never spoke a word, she never passed out a gospel Try, but she got every one of our family members to the foot of the cross uh, all because of suffering. Uh, I'm saying Jesus is suffering, but he's not thinking about himself. Uh, when we go through things, we cannot make it all about us. Uh, it needs to be about others. Uh, it needs to be about him. Uh, he knoweth the way that I take, uh, and when he has tried me, and he will try us, uh, we shall come forth uh, as gold. Hallelujah. I don't know what's between here and the graveyard, but I know who's gonna go with me between here and the graveyard. As the old songwriter said, he'll hold to my hand, thank God, as this river I cross. He'll be waiting at the river for me. He'll be waiting at the river for you. And it'll be a safe landing on the other side. The selflessness. I, I would say to anybody this morning, I'm trying to move on. Get out of your pity party. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Put your violin up. Put your big boy britches on. Quit listening, getting the mully grubs and making everybody miserable around you. Suck it up, buttercup. God's been better to you than what you ever deserve. Hallelujah. I see people sitting in church sometimes and y'all pray for me. I want to sling a songbook at them, and I know that ain't right. Y'all please pray for me. I just want to sling a song. None of y'all, none of y'all. But I can look in their face and tell they're a million miles away. Or they're sitting there just feeling plumb sorry for themselves. Why do you want to do that? 
God's been better than you deserve. You think you deserve another blessing? You think you deserve life to be better than what it is? I ought to be in hell this morning. It wasn't for the mercy of God. You're looking at somebody who'd been a drunk. I, I never drank a, lot, a, a drop of alcohol. I, I'll tell you, if God wouldn't have saved me, my life would be in shambles. And by the way, yours would too. You say, but I'd be in church. Yeah, but you'd be a miserable wretch, I, stooped in religion, I, lost and going to hell. I, I'm telling you this morning, we all ought to be on our face and shouting the glory I, that he'd even look our way I, and let the shadow of the cross I, fall on our doorstep. I, I want to say praise God for the blood and if he never did another thing if he never passed my way again I want to bless him from here in the graveyard I want to thank God for every morning he rose me out of the bed let's breath me in my body he's been good to us hallelujah and the selfishness of a modern day American church grieves the Holy Spirit of God selflessness of Jesus the sufferer of Jesus verse 26 we see Mary she suffered as no woman ever suffered. You see, the heartbreak must that she felt at the cross is beyond our imagination. She felt a double burden on this day. She watched Jesus die both as her son and as her savior. She knew the joy, the greatest joy that a woman could ever know, and that was holding that babe in Beth, that was in Beth, Bethlehem's manger. That had to be the greatest joy but she also knew the greatest heartache as she watched her son be tortured to death and die. You know, I, I thought about that. Sometimes the, the greatest blessings that heaven has to offer to people sometimes requires the greatest, earth's greatest burdens. You look at people sometimes and say, man, they're really blessed. I, I wish I could be like them. You don't know the burdens that they're under. Mary was highly favored and blessed far beyond any woman had ever been blessed, but she also with that came a great burden. She bore because she was the mother of our Savior. I see the sufferer of her, of those hands that she once held in her hand, those hands, those, those hands that she saw as an infant and she saw it as a child and, and she saw those hands uh, and such, such wonder that, that they brought to her as he was a little boy, as he was a little babe, but now she sees those hands as they're pierced and I thought about it, she, one time she kissed that brow and then and she caressed that brow of that little baby boy, Jesus, and that toddler Jesus as he grew up and all oh, the joy it must have been to have been Jesus' mother, but all the grief it must have been to look and see that brow that she once kissed uh, now was bruised uh, and now was bleeding with a crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. It was a blessing, but it was a burden. Uh, I want to say this morning, the blessing of the cross uh, is a cross and it does carry a burden. Uh, and in this life as Christians, uh, we are going to suffer. But I'll tell you, it'll be far worth. Uh, Paul said, I reckon the, the, pre the suffering of this present life uh, is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. I'll tell you one of these days we'll trade the cross in for a crown. Thank God one of these days we'll travel the last mile of this way. We'll lay down our burden. Hallelujah. The cross will be no more and it'll be glory from there yonder. Now I want to say while we're here we must press on. Amen. We must go on. We must sing on. We must preach on. We must stand on. We must suffer the cross as our Savior did. Isn't that right this morning? I see the sovereignty of Jesus. 
how that he was still in control while he was on the cross. Such sovereignty in verse 26. As he makes this great transfer, woman, behold thy son. It's interesting that Jesus did not give Mary to his siblings. He had at least four half-brothers and two half-sisters. But they're not given to them. It's given to the, she is given to the apostle John. You say, preacher, why? Because according to John chapter 7 and verse 5, they had not believed in Christ as the Messiah. Jesus is on the cross. What about that? His own siblings are not in support of who he says he is. So Jesus puts his mother in the hands of the apostle John. James, the first Corinthians chapter 15 The Bible said that he was seen above 500 brethren at once and he also appeared to James and after the resurrection, James believes Christ to be the the son of God, our Lord's half brother. No doubt he's responsible for bringing this family to Christ and by the time we get to Acts chapter one and verse number 14, they're all in the upper room, amen. I'm glad his family got in, amen. It took Calvary and it took a resurrection to make believers out of them but you know what? It took Calvary and it took a resurrection to make believers out of us and by the time we get to the day of Pentecost, cost. Uh, they're all in that upper room in verse 14, uh, gathered around. They knew he was who he said he was. Amen. And thank God. Uh, but we see the sovereignty of Jesus in this text as he took care of his mother. I, I think this, you don't have to believe this. But if you go back to verse 23 and 24, they, the Bible said in verse 23, the soldiers that they made four parts of his garments. And then in verse 20. Four, the Bible talks about that coat that he had. They, they cast lots. And I remember one writer made this statement. He said as they were casting lots, he said it appears, said that a Jewish male wore five garments. We know that. One of them, that, that, that garment being that tunic, that, that inner garment. He said most of the time, said the mother would, would make that garment for that son, that tunic. And, and legend says this. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but legend says that Mary gave Jesus that garment when he, left, uh, when he left home. And I don't know if that's true because it's not in the Word of God. And you can't trust legends and traditions, but only so much. But I will say it does seem that there's a connection in verse 23 and 24 that while the soldiers have parted his garments and they're casting lots for that one inner garment, in verse number 24, Jesus turns to his mother and begins to speak to her. And it is possible, I'm not saying it is proof, but it is possible that this garment, that when they touched it, they touched something that touched the heart of Jesus concerning his own mother here as he spoke to her and he cared for her. And we see that Jesus was sovereign in this text, uh, that he never stopped taking care of those uh, that was around him. I'll tell you if Jesus would take care of Mary right before he left this world. Don't you think Jesus is going to take care of me and take care of you this morning? If Jesus could take care of her while he was on the cross, I'm sure he could take care of you for whatever we have to face in this walk of life. I see the sovereignty of our Savior. And then I see last this morning, I see not only that, but the support of Jesus. I don't want to leave John out because verse 27 says this. Then said he to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. You know, it's interesting. The cross places emphasis on the home this morning. If any home is going to be what God wants it to be, the cross has to be the center of it. 
You make Hollywood the center of your home and you'll ruin your children. Amen. You make sports the center of your home, they may turn out to be superstars. And let me just go ahead and burst that bubble this morning. Every parent thinks their child's a superstar. Just do the math. How many professional football players and basketball players and baseball players and whatever else, how many of them do you really? Does anybody know what, personally? I'm not talking about, I know somebody, know somebody, know somebody, know somebody, know somebody. So we say. How many of us really knows that? No, you don't know that many people. And I hate to crush any young person's dreams this morning, but I have bigger dreams than being an athlete. No sinner's nothing wrong with playing ball. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, I think you ought to get out and get some exercise and throw a ball and play ball and every good sport requires a helmet. Somebody say amen. They're right. There's no danger involved. I mean, who wants to play croquet? Come on. Is that right? Or I'm the world champion of ping pong. I mean, what? <laughs> Ain't nothing dangerous about ping pong, you know, or golf. I mean, don't, I mean, you like football because you're running into each other. You like boxing. But let's face it this morning. Even if they became that, it's vanity. Every parent here this morning, your sole desire ought to be to get your children as close to Calvary. Not just to get them saved, but to keep them close to the cross. And for God to make them what he wants them to be. They may be a lawyer, they may be a doctor, God knows we need them, but listen, you let the cross decide what their, their lot in life is going to be. You let Calvary lead them in the direction. You say, well, what if they don't make a lot of money? It'll be all right if they stay close to the cross. Uh, there's more to life than the abundance of things. The Bible says uh, life doesn't consist of that. And I'll tell you, you can't live without the cross, and God knows you sure can't die without the cross. Uh, we need Calvary now, we're gonna need it then. Uh, I wanna say this morning, John was close to the cross and because John stayed close to the cross, you know what happened? He had a job, a responsibility was given to him. I'll tell you, the closer you get to Calvary, the more God will use your life. Doesn't use those that follow him afar off, but he uses those that are near to the cross.